You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. Hey, dude. You know. <sighs> Sitting here, thinking about everything that we've been through together, it occurs to me that we never really did resolve that shit between you, me, and your sister. You know, we talked about it last week, and it was a it was a good, good chat, good chat. But I, I want to just make sure that we clear the air. Your sister is now married; she has moved on. My sister has moved on in every possible way. She does not talk about you anymore. Nor, nor were you ever actually connected to her at all. No, I was not connected to your sister, except for one magical day. Did it start with the video or did it start with the visit? So I'll do both. The video. Hey everybody, Alex here. The beautiful thing about podcasts is that I get to edit them. And Nick has no say because he's on the other side of the country. So if he starts going off on a tangent... Uh, telling stories that I don't want to hear. I can choose to just ignore it and talk to you guys directly uh, about whatever I want. So today I want to tell you the story of Nick's wife, Sarah. For a very long time, Sarah and I have had a very special connection. Nick hates this. Nick hates the connection that Sarah and I have. Uh, He likes to deflect by telling stories of of my sister, Shayna. So I just wanted to take this moment to let you guys know that Sarah and I are very much very much still in love, as made clear in this voicemail that I just received. Hi, you've reached Alex. Please leave a message at the sound of the beep. Oh, Alex. You're such a dream. I just adore you. You're so smart, knowledgeable, an absolute dream. And, uh, it's only a matter of time before something terrible happens to Nick. Um... And it'll be at that time that I will, I will swoop in and take take what's his, in its entirety. I wonder what Nick has to say to that. Great time, and all of this to say, Alex, I am not sorry for any of it. Little justice, little justice, little justice. <laughs> so, welcome to Little Justice, uh, this thing we do called Little Justice. I am Nick Walker. 
Who are you? I'm Alex. Yeah, he doesn't like. Know, he like. He doesn't like to say who he is. He gets. So, I don't know anymore. Yeah, I know. I know. You don't know. It's okay, sweet, sweet man. But we are. We are this this thing called Little Justice. The host of this thing called Little Justice, where we discuss the movies mm-hmm. and the themes. Um, and today's theme is a theme that we had sketched out a long, long time ago, but now we're revisiting. Uh, kick-ass women. Kick-ass women. Women who are kick-ass. So the first thing we got to do is define what a kick-ass women movie is. In my opinion, there th- there's a difference between the true empowered female character and the movie with where they've done it to sell well, tickets. There, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's the movie. There's certain. There is certainly the movie that's trying to sell you something, and the movie that actually cares about the the character it's creating. And I think I think what it comes down to, I you know, I think I think one of the criticisms that often that you know, and and, and let's say off the bat, us discussing this, you know, we are not two kick-ass women. We don't know what we're talking. You know, about. so we we are just we are just commenting on this as movie uh, people who love watching movies about kick-ass women. Um, and the one thing that I will say um, that I think is always. Uh, a good marker is it doesn't have to be about a strong woman. It's not about a woman who's constantly kicking ass. I think that the sh- the shift that has happened, not just with women, but with all underrepresented uh, minorities uh, in film and television and theater, is just a sense of dimensionality, well-roundedness. The fact that we are fully realized people doesn't mean that we are bad or good. Just means that we are you are you know there are characters being written who are just fully realized characters, which is why I think it's a weird line to walk because a lot of it, it gets overblown a lot of the time. It becomes token. Well, I think it becomes token when it's not genuine. I think I think that's the difference. I think that when if you set out to make a movie, you know, I, I, again, what's the truth of your movie? Because even even if you're making a fucking raunchy comedy, something about Mary comes from some truth. For the Fairley Brothers, do you know what I mean? Like it's they they love that kind of comedy. They love the Three Stooges. So all their movies are going back to the Three Stooges. That's the truth of their comedy. And I think that when you when you're just capitalizing on girl power, like you know, it's it's fan service. Um, I think about my you know the the moment the controversial moment in Avengers Endgame. Uh, spoiler for those of you who haven't seen it, was kind of the nod to the women of the Marvel Universe, the A Team. Um, not if you read the comics when when all the women of the Marvel Universe kind of line up in like this 30 second sequence to kind of go back do battle with Thanos and you know on the one hand like was that something that was made to sell a price point absolutely 100% that it, it certainly felt like it was a little you know it was a little much for the story that said the way the only the reason that it that i can justify it in avengers endgame as opposed to other movies is because they kind of earned that they also had they earned it <laughs> they also they also hadn't done that do you mean like like that that had been a complaint and, and still is a complaint is that we just haven't had a lot of women-led movies in the marvel universe if any um we're only getting our second one you know, this coming year. So the idea that you'd have a shot of, with all the women is a really powerful thing. Um, and I think, I think they, as much as it was kind of like, again, because I think what you're talking about is like, does it fit into the story that you created? Or are you just yes. shoehorning it in there? Um, right. And I think that that moment was a little shoehorned, but at the same time, earned, 100% earned. Off but, the top yeah. of your head, 
what are some examples of, of doing it well and doing it not so well? <sighs> Dude, kick-ass women in movie. The, the prime example that comes to my mind of doing it well, things that have come out recently, Booksmart, by, uh, directed by Olivia Wilde. Oh, interesting. Has two kick-ass women um, characters, young women characters. If, if you're talking about authenticity and truth as examples, uh, have you seen Eighth Grade? Uh, no. Do I need to see Eighth Grade? It's amazing. Yeah. In, in terms of the representation of what that time. Yep. In, oh, in Sarah was, Sarah was telling is. me about that. Yes. It's it's a very yeah. It's a very. It's not even like super dramatic. It's not. It's not that it's like an excellent movie, but just as as representation of an eighth grade girl, it seems truthful. It it got me nostalgic. You know, and I think that's that speaks. There's you know yeah that so yeah eighth grade I've definitely that's on my list. Obviously, my favorite of all time, of one that I've chosen for this, would be the Bride from Kill Bill. I think that what, yeah. I think that the brilliant subversion of that movie is as much as she's. A Tarantino hero, um, right? She, you know, she is, you know, constantly kicking ass and taking names and doing all those things we expect from a Tarantino film. She, I'm wondering if we're ever going to get through an episode without Tarantino coming up. If there's ever going to be, it'll happen by accident. We won't even realize it until after the fact. If you're listening, catch us on it. Yeah, Nick will bring up Tarantino in in any situation. Let me tell you something right now. Let me be very clear. You chose to do a podcast with me. You knew what you were getting into. You knew who I am. I am a Tarantino fanatic. I think his movies are brilliant. We are going to open your eyes. There's more out there. Well, there's more out there that he has uh, amalgamated and folded into his films. You know, So I learn about the other films by watching his films, sir. Don't come for me. That man is a fucking well, auteur. All right, so so let let's talk about because it, it's been a topic of conversation. Yeah, uh, Tarantino. Yes, his representation of women does because people people talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Margot Robbie's character who had very little given to her, uh, very little dialogue, very little e- even influence on the story, and people thought that she was kind of uh, be- because she's a female character that she was left by the wayside. And my response to people who were saying that was, you given given his filmography, given what he's done in the past, you know that that's that's not the case. You know yes. that he's not just casually leaving a female character out because yes, because of of some and, sort of ignorance. And, that, so, and not to say that he hasn't had because you know again, especially in the in, in the wake of you know Harvey Weinstein and all this shit you know that came out. It's very clear, you know, all of us as men have something to learn about this shit. We're not, do you mean like nobody is doing the shit 100% right and and being, you know, as much. And I'm not talking about Tarantino personally. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm I'm talking about his representation in his film. Absolutely. 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 Um, But I think, I think that even in his films, you know, I think that. Sure, he's fallen. Like everyone has fallen into this trap, but I think that what it comes down to for me is what is your movie? What is your story about? And does the character serve the story? And I think when you're talking about Margot Robbie and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she serves the story, right? She is supposed. She is not supposed to be a person. She's supposed to be a a symbol. That's the idea. She's right. that's that's the whole idea behind her character is that she is a symbol. Um, uh, and you know, I'm not gonna. You know, we can we'll delve into that movie another time, and we can talk about what that symbol is. 
But I, yeah, I think that it, it, there's a fine line because it is it, not even a fine line. I think it's, I think you have to look at what the intention of the film was. And I think just like, like I don't want every film, you know, I, I, I want well, I want, I want variety of character. I don't want just one type of character in every movie. Um, and that goes for characters of color. That goes for white male characters. It just goes for everyone. Like, just variety. I think that's what everyone's asking for is just variety of characters. I definitely am looking for more variety in my white male characters. Yeah, me too, dude. I'm really just looking for more white male characters. It's hard. People, I mean, God, when was the last time you saw a white man, white straight man on screen doing something interesting? This FaceTime call I'm on with you right now. Yeah, but you're... Now, are you saying I'm the white straight man, or are you saying that you're the white straight man? No, I, I can see myself. You can see. I'm not looking at you while we're talking. I'm I'm looking at you. Would be one of those people who looks at your own. Oh yeah. Feed. Weird. It's human nature, baby. No, that's your nature, and that's why you're a sociopath. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Kickass when we're just talking about well-roundedness, we're talking about authenticity. Bad examples of this, you know, it's it's really funny. But anytime, you know, one of the one of the terms that's come up often is, you know, things through the male gaze. And that is a term that at first I was like, what does that mean? And then the more that I've seen it, I'm like, ooh, when a character, because it, it often comes down to when a character is not in the hands of, you know, of a person who understands that character. So if a woman character has, you know, been created with no input by a woman, um, you know, yeah. there's often some stuff that's off. But like looking at like even movies that I love, talk about kick-ass women the movie kick-ass with hit girl right hit girl is you know uh who uh if you if you don't know kick-ass played by uh, chloe mince plus no that's chloe i've always forgotten her last name <laughs> i think you're mixing up i'm christopher mince plus and chloe yeah. whatever her last name is but she hit girl is this she's like this you know 10 year old like basically fucking street ninja of a superhero and she's so and it's so fun to watch her because she's kicking everyone's ass but you realize like especially in the context like of you know that movie was made you know seven years ago you realize in today's context like very still a fun movie love it to death but like that character is so much what we like want to see as as straight men like from a kick-ass like you know it's like yeah she she's just like one of the boys like she's just like kicking ass like one of the guys and it's like you know, I think I think that's actually why I appreciated the second movie, if only because they were like, no, she's like she's a she's a she's a girl, like she's, she's a person. She's a person, <laughs> you know. And I think that that so you know that's definitely an example. Yeah. So I think I think we have an, a good understanding of what we mean by kick-ass women. Well-rounded, authentic portrayals of women uh, that we have loved watching on screen. What? Uh, so so give me your give me your premise, give me your summary, and let me see if I can guess it. So originally I was going to go with Alien because to me, Alien, everybody's equal on this ship, right? We're talking about about not not elevating anything or changing a character, like giving a character anything extra uh, just because of their, their gender. She's just one of the crew. Um, everybody's on equal footing and she, on her own merit and her own badassness brings herself up and conquers the day and and she's the only one who who is really capable of surviving the God's ordeal. sake this is the first time that we've encountered a species like this it has to go back all sorts of tests have to be made ash are you kidding this thing bled acid who knows what it's gonna do when it's dead as i've thought about it more i've come up with one that fits a little better uh with with how i see just the theme of kick-ass women 
this movie has several of them in it. The main character is a kick-ass woman, but she is surrounded by other kick-ass women as well. So let me set the scene for you. Set the scene, please, can... please. Very excited. There's a woman, Sarah. Her name is Sarah. Not. It's not your wife. Not my wife. Don't worry. She's not involved in this. No. Uh, who on the return from a vacation with her family is involved in a car accident. Her husband and daughter are killed. A year later, she comes back together with the friends, a different person, a changed person, someone who's, you know, her, her life has fallen. This is the first time she's spending time with, with these friends again. They get the idea, we need to help our friend. We need to we need to seize our lives again because things have just fallen apart after this terrible tragedy. So why not go spelunking? So they did. They decide to go spelunking. What a terrible idea! What a terrible idea! Small claustrophobic spaces. Oh God! Uh, determined, oh, troubled people God. working through their issues. This can I tell you? This so movie is. <laughs> It's so fucked. It's so fucked. It's so. Oh my god, fucked. this fucking movie. We're talking about the descent. You know, are you sure we're going the right way? Relax. I've never been lost in my life. Marvelous. <laughs> Just so people know, before you before you respond, the first half of this movie is a claustrophobe's nightmare. It, they descend into the earth. They get stuck in places that you don't want to get stuck. Trapped, you know, deep underground. Which way? There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. In terms of like an, an action suspense movie, it's great. And then they introduce this concept that a certain subset of the human species oh has found its way underground over thousands of years and evolved Into <laughs> in these underground caves without almost, almost never coming out. So they're completely pale, hairless monsters that like drag deer carcasses oh, down into the earth God. and feed on them. Where's the infrared button? Dead animals. Hundreds of them. Hello! And they're set upon. And the whole movie is this wonderful metaphor for her overcoming the death of her husband, who you find out was sleeping with one of her friends. Juno. The friend's um, name Juno. Juno. Played by Natalie Mendoza. Uh, and about her re-seizing her life and coming out the other end of it. So the, with, with the caves underground being sort of the depths of her despair and conquering that. Uh, and it's got a really depressing ending if you look at it in that light. Um, it's okay. So go, go on. No, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I completely see why you chose this movie. It's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movie in that sense. And I think, I think what is wonderful is she is well-rounded. Her arc is, oh, hold on one second. Can you hear that in the background? Yeah, what is that? I think, hang on, I think Sarah's doing something. Sarah, are you okay? The, the, I think the brown sugar was left over and now it's all dry again. You're my brown sugar, Sarah. That's hysterical. It's hysterical. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, no, brilliant choice. Brilliant choice. Um, and for, you know, I think, I think you know, her arc is um, just so massive. You know, she's, you know, very starts as this, you know, loving mother, loving, loving wife, then goes through this traumatic experience where, her, I mean, we, you say her husband and daughter died in a car crash. When I say they die, I mean, they are impaled by pipe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is a like final destination style. Yeah. It's bad. It's real bad. And, you know, and, and what I love about, you kind of set it up perfectly. What I love about the movie um, is that. You know, as if the claustrophobia of the caves weren't enough, <laughs> then <laughs> you get introduced to these fucking mole people. And I, so little known fact, I, so I had a, in college, before I was living on Alex's couch when I was recovering from the worst breakup of my life, won't talk about it. Um, I was living with two roommates who, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to say their names, but I will say they tortured the fuck out of me with this movie. And I was ter- I was deathly afraid of this movie. Because they forced you to watch it? They forced me to watch it. And then, so the creatures in this movie do a thing where there's one scene in particular because they're blind, so they can't see. So like if you, st- if you just stay quiet and stay still, they can't see you. And there's one scene where the two sisters uh, who are in the Spelunkin group are like laying down in a cavern try to evade this creature and the creature like puts its hand on on their face is like trying to echolocate and it's just right above them and the way that my roommates would come into my room when i was sleeping and and like get on top of me and like you know what i mean like they do like they would like do little noises like or whatever the fuck it was. And I was like terrified. I was like, please get the fuck out of my room, guys. Like, this is not fucking funny. But they would do it anyway. I mean, uh, it's legit one of the most thrilling movies I've ever oh, yeah. I've ever seen. Oh, no. It's it's immensely In thrilling. In terms of getting your, your blood pumping. I think part of the reason it's so effective is because the whole movie is about the character yes. arc. Yes, Like, even in all the adventure, like, you... It's it's about this this woman and her relationship, uh, her overcoming her grief and her relationship with her friends and like seizing her independence and like becoming, whatever. And and you don't you know it it you don't need anything else, no. right? You you know like the movie doesn't even need it doesn't really even talk about it, right? You kind of have to discern for yourself about what happened between Juno and her husband and like you build the backstory out just by how they're reacting in 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 the plot. Yeah scene by scene um and it and it it adds to this like that there's meaning behind everything they're doing adds to the the tension yes and adds to the chaos and and then they make interesting decisions about okay am i going to help in this situation you know it's like the just the decision to save your friend or not save your friend based on what they did to you yeah and what that says about you and also you know i think and juno has a great arc too because juno you know she she's not a bad guy but she's certainly not a hero and there's she, you know, she makes one mistake in the cave, um, where she's fighting off a bunch of these creatures, and then Beth, uh, you know, Sarah's best friend, walks up to her. <laughs> 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 I 
uh, Juno is just in the thick of it, fighting these creatures, and impales Beth's neck with with the pickaxe, and it's fucking terrifying. But but what she doesn't do is she doesn't she doesn't call for help. She doesn't try to help. Like she just pretends it never happened, and she's making these decisions based off trying to save her own ass. So that actually further, you know, kind of provokes your imagination as to what the relationship with the husband was. Yep. Cause she's like, if you're going to do that to a friend in this dire of situation, then of course you're going to try to cover your ass with an affair. Yeah. And you know, and even the ending of that movie, that, that imagery, you know, is Sarah crawling up this hill in the cave to get out. And it's almost like it's a little on the nose in terms of like being almost like a birth canal. She's reborn and she comes out all bloody of this like hole in the ground. And, but like, it is really when you've watched her journey and watched all the shit she's been through this past movie, you're like, Oh shit, that's actually a a beautiful image for somebody just finding themselves. And it's beautiful. And I I think the good, the the good horror twist, which I think, you know, a, a horror movie should have a good last beat of, yeah. of wait a minute everything you thought was resolved is not yes uh, and I think it's an alternative ending I think it's yes, the original it's, it's ending the that all, yeah, the they didn't the release thing. theatrically but yep. it's the one the director wanted is she escapes she's found the light she's the only surviving member she gets out and then she wakes up and she's still down there yep and yep. then that's it and then the, you know and it's this terrifying message of like there are some things that you just can't escape yes as much as you fight and claw and swing your axe like you you can't escape well and the other way that i like the other way that i interpreted it was like the okay or the other way to interpret it that you know that i like is is the idea that like okay so you've done the work to like find yourself and now you can survive these caves but you still got to survive these caves do you mean like just because you have the the revelation inside doesn't mean that like you aren't going to need to, you know, the, all, the, all the darkness stops. Right. Beautiful example. And again, like you said, I think what makes this a, a fully dimensional, well-rounded character is, first of all, the actress's performance. I love her work. I always forget her name. Oh, they're amazing. Um, they're amazing. And and the woman who plays Sarah Mings, she was in um, Filth with James McAvoy as well. She plays his wife. Um, and she is she's just really great. And you really feel for her. Um and you believe her arc. You believe her as this woman who starts yeah. off meek and then by the end of the movie is like this fucking pickaxe-wielding warrior. Um, it's pretty awesome to see. Uh, and also just like the physical shit they went through on that film. You're just like, God damn, guys. Like, I can't it's imagine the stunt unbelievable. work. It's really, it's truly, yeah, yeah a beautiful film. Um, so watch it. Wait, watch it. Uh, it's it's terrifying oh yeah so well, yeah if you if you don't do horror well you don't do tight spaces well this you is don't not do, the movie you know, for you no. jump scares there's a lot of jump scares like it's, it's too it's, many it's thrilling yeah um but definitely worth worth your time yeah, yeah so that's my choice let's uh let's move over to you now my choice my choice in film so let me set the scene in fact i'll read the uh i have the script right here you have the script so that narrows it down right there. After months pass without a culprit in her daughter's murder, Mildred pays for three signs challenging the authority of William Willoughby, the town's revered, revered uh, chief of police. When a second command officer of Dixon, a mother's boy with a penchant for violence, gets involved, the battle between Mildred and Ebbing's law enforcement threatens to engulf the town. Whew, three billboards, Three baby. billboards, baby. You read Welby? Yes, ma'am. How may I help you? I hear those three billboards out on Drinkwater Road. 
You're in charge of renting a map, that right? I didn't know we had any billboards that don't drink water. Where's drink water? There's a road out past Sizemore Turnoff. Nobody uses it since the freeway got put in. You're right. You got three billboards out there. Nobody's put nothing up out there since 1986. That was Huggies. How much to rent all three of them out for the year? The year? You want to pay for three billboards on the road and no one goes down unless they got lost or they're retards for a year? Quick, ain't you, Welby? Well, since what I say goes these days down at the Ebbing Advertising Desk, I'm going to strike you a real good deal on those billboards. Now, what was it your name was, Mrs.? Whistle on what you can and cannot say on a billboard. I assume you can't say nothing defamatory and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. That right? Uh, or anus? No. I think I'll be all right then. So the thing, you know, uh, Movie-wise, I am a Tarantino fanatic. Play Playwright-wise, I am obsessed with two playwrights, Susan Laurie Parks and Martin McDonough. Martin McDonough, if you uh, don't know his work, uh, for my, my fans uh, coming from the Broadway world who are listening, and Martin McDonough has written several plays um, that have been on Broadway. His latest, Hangman, which I had fucking tickets to, uh, got canceled because of this virus, and I was so sad. Um, because I that is another script that of, of his that I have and I love and it's beautiful and I was so looking forward to seeing that. Um, but he is this Irish writer who really loves to kind of he's very dark comedies, very dark comedies, very um, you know just just kind of loves to look at uh, it really how people I th I'd say that his movies are all about how people carry their pain. Um, all of his characters tend to be people with like you know, large traumas on their hand, whether it's a, you know, um, you know, in his first play, uh, the first play that really got big for him was uh, Lieutenant of Inishmore. And that play is about a dude, uh, you know, this guy who was fighting for the IRA, um, who is upset because somebody ran over his fucking cat. Uh, the Handing in Spokane is about a dude who, you know, somebody cut off his hand and these two teenagers found his hand and they're holding it ransom. Um, you know, he, he did In Bruges, right? He did In Bruges, which is about a, a hitman who killed a kid. Do you mean like there's always some psychic wound with his characters? And in Three Billboards, it's very much about this mother whose daughter was horribly murdered. Um looking at not only her daughter's murder but just the state of the world in general as a place that's just like full of bullshit um and deciding that she's had enough and she wants to do something about it and i think the thing that that really um the scene that really got me more than anything there's this beautiful scene where it's a flashback to the last time mildred saw her daughter alive and they get, you know, they're, they're like a really crass family. Like they very much like me and Alex, they swear at each other. They hit each other. That's how they let them know each other, that they love each other. And, uh, even though I do not love Alex, so don't. Yeah, don't, no, that, that part's not. Yeah. Don't put that, fit. don't put that into context. But the last, the daughter, you know, the, it's, they're having a fight over, uh, uh, whether or not the daughter can go use her car. Angela, why don't you just ask me if you can borrow the car? Can I borrow the car? No. Bitch! I will give you the money for a taxi. If you ask me nice and don't call me a bitch. Why'd you make me ask you to borrow it if he was never gonna let me borrow it? Because it was funny. Because you've been smoking pot all day. You are such a hypocrite. Hypocrite? Yeah. How? You drove drunk with us in the car when we were kids. What are you talking about? Daddy told me. When'd you see him? 
Don't change the subject. Did you or did you not drive drunk with us in the car when we were kids? Once, maybe. Okay, once? When he was in the middle uh -huh. of beating the shit out of me. Which we've only got your word about, right? Angela, for Christ's sakes. Why are you never on my side, Robbie? I'm always on your side when you're not being a cunt. Hey! There will be no more cunts in this house. You got that, mister? What, are you moving out? It was a ga- it's a ga- it was a gag. Are you gonna let me borrow the car or what? Why don't you just walk, Angela? Why don't you just walk? You know what? I will walk. I will walk! And you know what else? I hope I get raped on the way! Yeah, well, I hope you get raped on the way, too! And it's, like, awful because obviously you know that she didn't mean it like that. She was in such... You know, she just frustrated with her asshole of a daughter. But, like, that for that to be the last thing you say, and then she gets raped and burned alive um, is how she dies. And so already you're starting with a character who just has such a deep wound to them, such a need for healing, um, which inevitably creates an authentic character. And then on top of that, this drive to keep her daughter's murder in the headlines. And she, you know, the movie is very much built around the fact that she stops at nothing to do that. And no matter what the townspeople say, no matter what the cops say, she's like, no, I'm going to keep those billboards up and I'm going to keep, you know, keep you guys thinking about this murder. I'm doing everything I can to track him down. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby, some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. But I'm glad you got your priorities straight. I'll say that for you. The thing that really makes a well-rounded character for me is drive. I think I, I love characters. I love that kind of Moby Dick um, Captain Ahab character who just, in spite of everything, drives through. I think that that's so human to that we, you know, can't be told otherwise. We just drive through. And that is exactly what Mildred Hayes did. Uh, Frances McDormand, who played her, won the Oscar for her portrayal. Um, rightfully so, because it's fucking brilliant. And you see both the mother in there. I mean, and I think, actually, it's not even that you see both. I was going to say you see the mother and, like, the vicious fighter but like i think the beauty of her portrayal is that the mother comes out of the fact that you know she has to fight do you mean that the, that is all in cat it's it's mother it's motherdom this movie is so much about being a mother and the love that you have for your child and what you would do if your child was taken away from you as abruptly as mildred's was taken away from her and what is what is more of a kick-ass woman than a kick-ass mother not that all women are mothers but like that is just such a prime example of what that is a really brilliant movie i think it's a good choice i mean i i love uh mcdonough's stuff and i think i think i've seen three billboards twice is there i mean is there anything about she's not a perfect character obviously no, she's like not. that's how she leaves it with her daughter and through this she really does kind of uh she shoulders her way in in maybe some disagreeable ways right? oh yeah she no, treats she... people poorly to get what she wants so there, there's a certain element of of distaste. Then put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your Good Morning Missouri fucking wake up broadcast, bitch? Does that affect anything with you? Yeah, I, I think that that definitely adds to why it's one of my favorite portrayals of a kick-ass woman. I think that you know, I think I think like you know, when you think about uh, you know Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, Brie Larson is a phenomenal actor, so you really don't notice it. But Captain Marvel, you know, I think one of the flaws of that movie is that, you know, in, in the Marvel Universe, Captain Marvel does nothing wrong. There's nothing right. about her that, that she doesn't need any growth. She doesn't need, 
She doesn't even really earn the power. She just no, kind of gets them. She's, yeah, she just gets it. She gets it, you know. Um, with Wonder Woman, at least, that you know, there was something. There was a lot about you know, Wonder Woman is, you know, very much kind of like this Little Mermaid-esque tale of this woman coming to a different world and learning about its rules and learning about its, you know, her place in it. And that that is growth. That at, a lot asks for growth. With Captain Marvel, is just like, y'all just have this kind of. On the like, like I said, on the opposite end, like this kind of. It's it's funny you say that because my fiance, we were sitting around. I was at, I asked, oh, well, we're gonna talk about kick ass women. Like when when I say kick ass women, what's the first movie that comes to mind? She said that that Marvel one, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Interesting. I mean, look at the end of the day. I think what's brilliant, you know, I I think that I'm glad they finally got a fucking movie with a woman lead, but you know, it was just it was not the in my opinion wasn't the best written character. She was. She was kind of just a series of quips as opposed to having fully fleshed out a character who like needs to piece even and it and especially because they kind of were trying to do this like James, you know Jason Bourne thing with her, which I was like, oh, that's fucking brilliant, you know, of having her piece back together her life. But like even that, the need was just so that she could remember. Yeah. It didn't prove anything right. about herself. She she didn't lack anything. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Tony compare that to Tony Stark, who's like problems are not told to you you see them he is an egomaniac he you know he he does not play well with others he's all about you know the, the getting his getting his at any cost and of course 10 years later that's why his death is spoiler alert so powerful because you've seen the full arc um yeah she did not can, have one can you talk a little bit about uh with three billboards like with the descent it's an all-female cast and their relationship ties into everything and, and you get a sense of the characters through through female relationships. Three billboards, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the only major female character is the main character. And she's surrounded by men of different ilks of of you know, the the nice but hard ass sheriff and the you know, the kind of timid reporter guy and the the stupid deputy all these people she's surrounded by different kinds of men and the way she and, and she has different interactions with all of them. Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead? And don't you Shut come up. in here! You get over here. No! You get over here. All right. What? Don't, Dixon! What? I'm you do not allow a member of the public to call you a fuckhead in this station house. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking care of it in my own way, actually. Now get out of my ass. Mrs. Hayes, have a seat. What is it I can do for you today? I th I'm sure that when you have an, like an actor like Francis McDormand who is so storied, you know, I, Martin, even Martin McDonough is not coming in there saying, these are my words and this is how I wrote them. You know, she, uh, you know, I think the performance is very respectful of his words, but I think in terms of finding the character, that's a collaboration. You don't hire Francis McDormand and not expect to have a collaboration. Um, you know, and I think that you know, in, in having a movie that is filled out with men, I actually kind of respect that more because here's the thing. That's, you know, as Martin McDonough in the writer, he is not a, uh, you know, a Midwestern mother from Missouri. You know, he is more, I think, I think he, you know, I always look for the authors in. Who is the author in this care in this show, in this movie? Um, and to me, based on his work, and I don't know him uh, personally, but I actually think that he is, Definitely there is a lot of him in, in Mildred, but more in Sam Rockwell's character. Kind of the, the racist, you know, crazy cop. That's definitely a character that, like, I've seen in all of his plays in some iteration or another. So I think that to kind of allow yourself 
that character who is closest to you to have an eye on the character who maybe is your protagonist, I think is always great. Um, and so uh, populating, putting her in a world with men, not only does it, does it, you know, is it maybe more serviceable to the person who's writing it, but also speaks volumes to her journey because her journey is one of looking at a world that does not, like is not listening to her. Do you mean so how how perfect to have her surrounded by men? Because that is the problem that a lot of women are having is that men are not listening. They're not empathizing. They're not they're not feeling. You mean like they're they're just kind of you know placating and going about their day. So that really does illustrate her angst in this movie. So I I love that choice. And and, and juxtapose that to the descent where it is uh, is all women. I think the power of that is for Sarah, you know, looking at all these types of, the, all those women are kind of these, you know, because they all kind of fit the archetypes, right? You have the sister and there's like the younger sister who's like a lot more outgoing and the older sister who's more timid. You have like the the, the veteran climber who's like punk rock and like, let's go. We want, you know, this cave is boring. You have Juno who's like the leader and the, and like the, you know, the badass. You have Beth who's like the heart. So Sarah has all these archetypes, you know, because Sarah's, Sarah's whole thing is, who do I become without my husband and my daughter? And she becomes herself. And so you surround her with all these women who are potential hers. They are all comments on who she could be. But she ends up, you know, finding her own strength. Um, you know, Beth's death in The Descent is necessary, right? It's, it, she, has to, she has to die because she's Sarah's crutch. Sarah can't use a crutch anymore. Sarah has to stand on her own. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm pretty fucking smart. I don't know you. if you know that. Look at you, little yeah. analyst, little analyst, baby. Boop boop. Um, but yeah, well, those are those are some solid choices. Solid choices. Think. We would love to, as always, we'd love to know um, uh, what your choices are. Uh, you know what, what what you would think. Uh, feel free to. Uh, you know, one thing I realize, even though we don't have yet at this point in the recording process, our uh, Instagram and Twitter up. Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram, certainly. I'm uh, at Nikki Walks, N-I-K-K-Y-W-A-L-K-S. And Alex, you are? Uh, not using Instagram at the moment. Oh, you're not using... Oh, shit. He's I'm not, not on even, Instagram. I, it's still active, but I deleted it. I don't really look at it. Uh, That's beautiful. So if if we're at we the just, point... Yeah. If we're at the point if where... If people want to find me, they can they can find me, but I, yeah, find I'm not active. Yeah, he's not active. That's fine. That's fine. He's not active. But, you know, we would love to, you know, hit me up if we haven't already put up our our, uh, our Instagram Twitter and let, let me know what your uh, what your choices would be. We'd love to hear. So uh, I think I think justice has been served. I think we got a little justice out I of this. Justice, I think justice has been served. All right. Is man. that how we're going to end them? Justice has been served? I mean, it's much better than straight white men have been served. Actually, no. I actually love that. Straight white men have been served a subpoena. You know? So you want to end every episode with straight white men have been served a subpoena. You've been served. <laughs> good day, sir. Okay, you're having, you're having I way too said much fun with this. Good day. You're getting way too lost in this fantasy. Dude, it's not a fantasy. It's 2020, baby. It's, it's 2020. 2020. <laughs> All right, son of a bitch. Till next time. Till next time. Little Justin. Little Justin.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 